Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Scala. Welcome back, guys. You're listening to Style Over Substance. We're just two friends talking about our experiences working inside the fashion industry and also our observations from outside the fashion industry. It's sometimes serious, but it's definitely always a good laugh. Always. We release new episodes every Tuesday. So subscribe on your favorite podcast listening platforms. So I went to the British Podcast Awards at the weekend. Yeah, you did. And loyal followers, no, you didn't nominate us. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we weren't nominated. But it was very cool to be in a room full of very interesting people and very... Can you hear me? Yeah. Um, Yeah, very interesting people and very inspirational things. And such like a breadth of podcasts were nominated Mm. and won awards. I was just, it was really cool. It was really cool. Yeah. I I can imagine. I went to, I don't know if I mentioned it on the podcast, but a couple months ago, I went to the podcast show. Mm. um, And it, it is nice to see other people who, of course, the show that I went to had varying degrees of podcasters, like just starting out and also like bigger shows there. Mm. But obviously you went to an award ceremony. So it's primarily those larger, more famous podcasters going to be there. But it is nice to be in a room where it's like all of us, or for the most part, us podcasters record from home in our bedroom. Very it's like very low level, very budget production here. We aren't BBC, we aren't Spotify. Do you know what I mean? And then to actually step out of your bedroom and see other people doing the same thing. Um, it's quite, yeah, it's like a little club. It's interesting though. For sure. And actually I would say at least maybe a third of acceptance speeches were saying something like, this is recorded in my bedroom. There were lots of sort of competition winners or very independent people who were just like taking a leap with their friend and started something. It was mm. really cool to see. You know? yeah. Nice. And Idris Elba was there. So, you know. Yes. Was I, I couldn't believe it when they like, because there were all podcast hosts. And so like, I like podcasts. So I, I listened to quite a few. So I knew people who were like doing those bits. And then suddenly they were just like, and um, here's Idris Elba. And everyone was like, huh? And obviously he's got a podcast with his wife, which I haven't yet listened to, but I will be now. But I was like, 
I know, oh. like multi-million world famous Hollywood actor. Yeah. Um, but I guess because the events what well, the event was um sponsored by Audible and Amazon, and I think theirs is like an Audible Amazon podcast. So okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. that might be sort of why, but no it was a very cool it was very cool just to be in that space and to see it celebrated I just think it's like a really interesting media Mm -hmm. forum yeah it's definitely on the up and up Mm -hmm. um when I went to the event I got the impression that it was like no signs of slowing down yeah um what is your opinion on celebrities fully fledged established celebrities having podcasts I see it as them jumping on a lucrative bandwagon and I don't mean that in any negative way there's a few celebrities that did that when YouTube was on the up that they realized if they posted on YouTube that was a different form of revenue it's Mm -hmm. why loads of people who TikTok isn't designed for are on TikTok it is another form of revenue and I think a podcast appears to be a very easy way to add to your revenue source. But as we've learned, and as all good podcasts sort of sometimes prove, it might seem effortless, but it's actually not. And there's sort of skill, especially the kind of podcast where they maybe interview people or if they keep you listening, a hundred episodes in it's a real skill um so yeah I don't know some that it's nice because it lifts the lid and you we want to know a bit more about these celebs mm-hmm. but some sort of feel like oh you you decided to join this world have you mm. um how about you what do you think of it yeah I agree with you um it's definitely like <laughs> a uh, way for them to jump on this bandwagon which is you know this the train is leaving the station and it's just you know it's going in a really good direction as yeah. an industry um and it's a way for them to make really easy money and as you said it's not a negative thing you know um I think a celebrity can be very easily approached by one of the bigger um production companies podcasting production companies and then off the bat easy advertising you know companies are just gonna throw money at these celebs to advertise on their show um they know a lot of people and have a lot of friends in high circles where they can invite to come on their show and interview them and chat with them and it just seems like a really easy thing for a celebrity to start doing mm-hmm. I've also seen like um you know like Michelle Obama she had her podcast but it was kind of coinciding with her book so yeah. it's also a way to do a little promotion for like 12 weeks and then you know uh, move on but yeah I, you're right in that even though it seems really easy <laughs> we, we've learned the hard way it's not that easy mm-hmm. um it is a real skill to chat to someone for about an hour I mean some podcasts are shorter than that but to talk uh, to someone for an hour um with largely no visuals um yeah I mean I don't think a lot of celebs will continue to do it I think it's like a 
promotional yeah yeah I think um I think it's mainly sort of comedians that I see that have managed to sort of maybe sustain it where they're actually used Mm. to then like writing material grafting they're sort of yeah I think yeah you're right I think it's brilliant for comedians because this is like their bread and butter talking writing scripting producing what's your fashion story (laughs) (laughs) so I sort of have two one is a really quick nod to Miss Kate Moss we spoke about her last week and how she had Um, her collaboration with Zara and she is going from strength to strength she has got like a collaboration with Diet Coke I feel like back in the day did she not do something with Coca-Cola probably but I do always associate Diet Coke with models passion models don't eat but I drink Diet Coke yeah a packet of cigarettes a day having worked in fashion it it stands yeah it really does um yeah have a fag and a diet coke and I'm I'm, that's my lunch yeah yeah so she's just she's clearly like I don't know what's coming maybe we've missed something but she's clearly like on the rise and Mm -hmm. so good for her and I think also she's recent she recently did Desert Island Discs Okay. which is a beloved radio show, arguably, I guess, a podcast, because they release it in audio form per episode. Um, and I think she sort of lifts the lid quite a lot on the modelling industry and how she's a little bit resentful of being the poster girl for cocaine or drugs and all of that stuff. And and that sort of heroin chic, because she's also sort of, I guess, claiming that she also wasn't fed on photo shoots or things like that and I know there is a toxicity to the modeling industry where you hear awful stories where these already very slim women are told maybe you shouldn't eat before the next shoot and like that kind of a vibe mm-hmm. and so despite how slim she was I'm sure she was subject to that kind of tended to be from a male mm-hmm. chauvinism disgusting mm-hmm. behavior um so that is my first one but my second is another collaboration dare we say it oh god Primark is bringing back their most successful line do you know what that is uh okay let me guess let me guess let me guess they had a collab with a beauty blogger beautician person and I believe that was really successful They've had um what's their most successful collab? Oh god, it's gonna be a silly one, isn't it? I'd never heard of it before, but I also don't follow Primark closely. No, just tell me. Greg's <gasps> the Greg socks. There's, yes, I remember there, this. There's a whole line, I think it's like a 17-piece whatever collection. Mm-hmm. It features like cycling shorts, tops, things that are similar to Crocs. Um, there is a Greg's 
and private collaboration coming back yeah you know what I remember that as you said Greg's I remember I remember being at work and my colleague looking on eBay where he where he could secondhand buy a packet of Greg's socks oh! it, was, it was madness honestly it was like the su- what was it like the summer of 2019 you know before everything went to shit um the pinnacle of life was getting your hand on some Greg's merch from Primark yes and I mean why not it's you know what I think we've spoken about exclusivity a lot on this podcast and sometimes it just gets tiring when you always have to queue for something when you're going to spend your hard-earned money on it anyway or you have to pre-register for something or you have to wait in queues for stuff and we're over it like the hype of getting your hands on clothing is I'm sorry I can't be bothered Mm. I can't be bothered for it all the time you know it's too much sometimes. So the fact that they're being like, no, we did a collaboration. It went so well. So many people bought into it. And equally, so many people probably missed out on some, some you know, cheese and onion pasty socks and sausage roll boxes that we're going to bring it back for the people, you know, Primark prices. So it's egalitarian. <laughs> but that's also like totally the right pitch for Greg's as well <laughs> what the right demographic yeah it is it is though yeah everyone um, shops in Primark and you know everyone but also Greg's has a really loyal fan base yeah like do you remember how it sort of rocked I'd say the world but maybe the UK um when they had their vegan sausage roll I still buy them yeah, I just think Greg's has a real loyal fan base and I think the UK British public are proud of Greg's. So mm. I think that's why this collab is kind of funny. It's kind of like, ha ha. Like, I mean, I kind of wear, wear my Justin Bieber tour t-shirt with the probably same kind of irony of like, yeah, no, like I back Justin Bieber. He's got great songs. Yeah. But I'm also not like a Stan fan kind of a thing of like, I'm walking around because I'm obsessed with him. Yeah. I have kind of wear it with the irony of like, this is kind of funny, but I also kind of like it. Yeah. It's a wink and a nudge. It's like, it's yeah, a I wink and it's a nudge. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think you're right. I think Greg's is kind of like, you know, it doesn't matter where in the world you go. I don't want to say Greg's is international, but... I don't think Greg's is international. Follow my logic for a sec. You know how you go to different parts of the globe and yeah. we need something to eat, whether it's, you know, the crack of dawn or really late at night, you know that you can order a McDonald's mm. and it's something you recognise it's cheap it's cheerful Greg's is that but like the UK so yeah. you know when it's really early in the morning and you're starving you need something to eat you get a right. Greg because it's like I know what I'm getting involved in it's it's across the nation I can always get a Greg somewhere on some high street um so yeah I think it's going to be a lot of fun the collab looking forward to it <laughs> and what is your fashion story so my fashion story, um, kind of, is it two parts? No, but Kiki Palmer is on, or is in um, British Vogue. 
And I love Kiki Palmer. I think she's really talented, funny. She's just so well-rounded as a performer and an actress and all of that. Um, So that was really nice to see um, her in such a prominent uh, magazine. Now, I don't know, I don't follow her to the the point where I know like every magazine she's been in and all that stuff. But um, there was a TikTok, I think I watched it yesterday, was it earlier today? And there was a discussion on Twitter and it was the comparison between Kiki Palmer's career and Zendaya's career and kind of debating the reasons why Zendaya is seen as more mainstream, um, more, more than Kiki Palmer, despite Kiki Palmer being in the industry for like longer. Mm. She has more of a breadth of skills, like sings, dance, writes, produces and stuff, whereas Zendaya is more of just the, an actress um in the industry anyway one of the reasons that was kind of discussed regarding these two and I want to get your opinion on whether you think it really helped Zendaya's career but it's the idea that Zendaya carved out a very very effectively she carved out a niche as being the fashion girl Mm. And she took fashion really seriously. And her stylist, who I believe she's worked with since the beginning of, you know, her like adult fame, let's say, or since she was in her late, late teens, is Law Roach. And his career grew alongside her. So his as a stylist grew alongside hers. And together they've kind of created the look that we now know of as Zendaya in terms of fashion. Um, over the years and there was I also saw a clip of Zendaya talking about how you know before she used to be kind of she used to be invited to a lot of things and she figured that people saw her as like a seat filler is that the term yeah you just invite them because there'll be another bum on seats yeah and she was kind of laughing about that but also jested and said well you know at least you know I'm gonna look up I'm gonna turn up looking really good you know, like, I don't care if you laugh at me because I'm just another bum in a seat. I'm going to be looking amazing regardless. And she said that, you know, she used fashion as a tool to further her career. And now we see her as, you know, um, one of the muses of Valentino. And we see her as like the one to watch at the Met Gala. And she's like social climbed through fashion And so when I saw this um, piece with Kiki Palmer um, being featured in British Vogue and the stylist on this suit, on this, on this spread, sorry, is Laura Roach. And I was like, wow, like, this is amazing. You know, it's two super talented women who could definitely do the whole fashion thing simultaneously together using the same stylist. Hopefully it's a longstanding collaboration. Hopefully, I don't know. Um, But yeah, I wanted to get your opinion on how powerful fashion and being known as a fashion it girl can be for someone's career. I think it's huge. I think I think that we've talked about that in our um, style icons episodes. I think that fashion is a huge thing that launches people. I think that if you are able to be on the 
what would have been the front cover of a magazine and is now like that you go viral on Instagram or whatever and like Twitter whatever for your looks I think that helps add to your clout it helps like what's the thing like no no news is bad no all news is good news is good news or like being spoken out about basically like it doesn't matter whether you're being spoken about badly or goodly like <laughs> goodly yeah. goodly is a phrase being spoken about as a positive whether it's negative press or positive press it still gets people talking about you and so I think that the fashion thing it just adds to it, it as to your appeal just how now I imagine that an actress might get booked like a younger actress or someone who's maybe not so well known might get booked for something if she's got a lot of followers I think that if you kind of have a tribe of supporters that is appealing I do also think that what comes into play in this so Kiki Palmer um kind of was up and coming when we were teenagers so I think she kind of was on the wrong end of the internet um because she yeah Zendaya was on a show where she was dancing she can arguably sing I think yeah she's more known for her acting Mm -hmm. Kiki Palmer has sort of had a decade of not doing a whole lot like in terms of what we're aware of but I'm sure she has been and in the background is doing a hell of a lot Mm-hmm. that has, still hasn't got the kind of clout or acclaim and I think that it's probably being yeah not quite on the right end of social media but also yeah maybe it's just the sort of fashion element the fashion has become hugely important I mean not become it always I guess has been but in this Instagram um world like when Zendaya, I'm thinking when Zendaya did the like premiere tour, the press tour for June, the film, mm. and how that just be, kind of became like day after day. It was look, like, what is Zendaya wearing to this one when it was the Spider-Man one? And she sort of dis- decided to choose a theme based on different villains or characters from Spider-Man to base her looks on. We were all waiting with bated breath. Mm. And that is like... I can't even think, I don't even think we do that for Beyonce. Like we don't, like it's it's a skill and it's a huge thing to have like harnessed that we're waiting. And like you said, like with the Met Gala, she's one of the first people you're going to want to see what she's wearing. That's big. That's really big. Yeah. I think as, you know, people in the UK, we haven't seen Kiki Palmer do a lot because maybe she just doesn't extend that far I think in the states she's bigger and she's on shows and does a lot more in in the public eye and is more mainstream there but like in terms of international fame I definitely think Zendaya is more recognizable Um, and you're right it's not easy to be known as one of the best dressed in arguably I think she's one of the best dressed in all of Hollywood and as you said coming out with these themes night after night film after film show or whatever and yes fashion is really important to every it can it can really help your career especially if you're 
an actress you know it's essential looking good is essential to your success as an actress I think rightly or wrongly it just is um but there's not a lot of actresses who pull out looks like she does you know so polished um and that's a lot of work and it's deliberate it has to be deliberate you know People don't just throw on this stuff and because they've got all this all this clothing in their wardrobe and they just throw it on and she looks amazing. No, it's like you can tell mm-hmm. they looked at her calendar months in advance and went, right, we need looks for this, we need looks for this, we need looks for this. And it's really calculated and it's really paid off for her. So, yeah, it's a tough one to replicate. I think her career is, her fashion career, let's say, is a tough one to replicate yeah for sure I can't think of many people who've maybe been watched um with so much sort of it's not even scrutiny I don't even think people are waiting for her to mess up I think they're just watching with close eye Mm. um I feel like maybe there was one point where like the, the Hadid sisters were being looked at quite a lot but not so much for their red carpet moments it was probably more like their day to day personal lives yeah I can't think it sort of reminds me of like the the noughties when we'd live for those red carpet moments but they weren't nearly as glamorous and there was a lot of denim but that's it that's what it makes me think of when like do you remember we'd be at school in sixth form and there would have been the Met Gala or like the Oscars or something and we'd go on like this on style.com Going into the privacy room and then (laughs) and we'd go through all of the looks oh my god that was like our first ever podcast and we didn't even know it um but that's almost like that's what it makes me think of is that that's how excited people are for it um which is pretty which is pretty unique and pretty special that she's conjured that up I wouldn't even say we're that bothered about what the Kardashians wear to a premiere we're again more interested, I guess, in their day to day looks. Mm-hmm. We interrupt this broadcast to say go follow us on Instagram. Our handle is at Starlows of Substance Pod. There you'll find our weekly fashion topics, all the stuff that we discuss in each episode and our polls or reach out to us at style over substance podcast at gmail.com for new suggestions of topic discussions or even to share your own fashion stories we also have a youtube channel style over substance podcast if you'd rather listen to our episodes over there back to the episode this week's podcast you sent me an article about that chanel are going to be opening like exclusive boutique stores Mm -hmm. um and so i feel like it's a really interesting topic to talk about that whole exclusive client base it's like evocative of what couture is is it a good idea does it alienate customers what does it mean 
and do we think that there's going to be more of this stuff now Chanel aren't the first people to do this kind of a thing Mm -hmm. but Chanel are on the like Chanel are doing well they don't need to do it so I feel like it's a real statement Mm -hmm. well Chanel is an anomaly when we talk about mainstream luxury brands in a sense um as you've alluded to during lockdowns global lockdowns and things Chanel has come out of this pandemic I think they had like 50% growth in their business and like revenues had tripled like profits had tripled or something that's like what's been speculated because it's like a family business and we really don't get the privilege of knowing just how well they're doing because they keep it close to their chest but Chanel doesn't have a website really that you can browse the full collection and buy the full collection from they have beauty sunglasses and some bags I think that you can buy off their website you can't buy bags off their website no bags no you do like wallets or something no you can only buy I think sunglasses off their website okay and beauty like perfume because I've bought perfume off their their website okay yeah I don't know about like makeup but I've not tried it but yeah they're their website you can't buy stuff off of so it's very much an in-store experience Mm -hmm. and they Mm -hmm. very much want you to have sort of a personal shopper or whatever the kind of that person is called um yeah uh, so that's the thing so whereas a lot of brands a lot of luxury brands had fully fledged websites or they made the concerted effort to like really kit out their website and make it the best it could be so that people could fully shop on their websites during lockdowns and whatnot. Um, Chanel didn't really do that. They took the approach that, you know, we have sales associates. Um, their sales associates have black books, i.e. i.e. like clientele lists, CRM. You know, we'll just approach our clients on an individual basis, give them a call, give them a WhatsApp message, see if they're in the the market for anything and we can take over the phone payments and we can ship it to customers like Mm. they took that really personal approach and like doubled down on it big time so to see that they are opening more stores from what I have found out when you compare them to like Louis Vuitton and Gucci they have, I think they have like 250 stores globally, whereas mm-hmm. Louis Vuitton have like 400 or something. Um, they are expanding their store network. And this is just another way for them to do it. Yeah, they take pride in having exclusive stores anyway. They've mm-hmm. definitely got a different pitch and a different strategy than Louis Vuitton. And they only want stores in exclusive and kind of appropriate areas. Yeah. Um, and I, I kind of, I kind of can't see that there's a gap. So it's almost like are they going to have another store in the same area that's just exclusive, or we, us common folk, wouldn't even know it's a Chanel store you know or like our stores gonna expand and there's a back room 
I'm kind of unsure how it will work in that sense. Um, but I guess it's a little bit, we joked on our Balenciaga show episode that like it's a loyalty card thing that Christine Quinn walked in that show. Oh, yeah. Is this like a loyalty card thing? Do you have to spend a certain amount of Chanel to be offered it? Do you have to be on their like a VVIP list? Is it kind of going to be a bit like cars? And this is how I imagine it's going to be. Like at McLaren, the only way you can buy their latest car is if actually you've already bought the previous like three, I think it might be. It might not be three, but I'm pretty sure there's something like you have to have already been a customer to buy their car, which how do you ever buy one? You know, mm-hmm. it's a really exclusive club. So I wonder if there's kind of going to be this very elite royalty-esque thing. But mm-hmm. what it makes me think of is that is what couture is, in essence. Yeah, so... And Chanel has couture. Taking it back a little bit to what you said is that I don't think it's going to be a little area of pre-existing stores that they really have because we all know, or for the most part, our listeners, I'm sure, are aware that when you go into Louis Vuitton and Hermes and all these big names, if you're a high spender and they clock you and you see them and they see you, they're going to pull you to the side and they're going to bring you into the back room, which is, you know, got sofas, glass of champagne, all of that they do do that but you're going to get you're going to get more attention less rushing you can sit there for as long as you want they're gonna pull out pieces that are sitting in the back that have been specially kept in the back until they find someone who's willing to drop that kind of money for an exclusive piece the price on request kind of item the price on request that's what chanel loves to do right when i come across something on their website i know it always seems to be the way where i'm like oh that's nice and then you see price upon request you're like damn it my expensive taste (laughs) and then you feel very humbled you're like very humbled of like that basically means dream on exactly um so what I'm saying is those sort of areas carved out for high spenders already exist I think there's a menswear brand um especially in the world of suiting yeah so where you have maybe brands like Laura Piana that do really high-end kind of quote-unquote tailored ready-to-wear They'll have their normal store, which normal regular folk can shop from. They'll also have more bespoke, made to order, made to measure stores that are for those who want a suit, custom bespoke suit. So that makes sense because Mm. it's a completely different discipline, a completely different business model. And it's not saying like, it's not to me. I don't perceive it as a level of exclusivity. It's just like yeah. it's a different service altogether. It doesn't, it doesn't sort of imply snobbery mm. because yeah. it's a different service and it's somewhere where you also need different equipment because mm. you need to measure people. There might be machines. They might have sort of, yeah, a seamstress in that store and all of that stuff. And they might have, yeah, 
suiting fabric because it's it's totally different it's like a more Savile Row experience exactly yeah Mm. I think the problem with this announcement and I'm not saying it's a bad thing because time will tell whether it's a good idea for Chanel Mm. to have these additional more exclusive by invitation only stores time will tell whether it's a good or bad thing But what I think is probably going to rub people up the wrong way is that over the past three years, Chanel's prices have increased exponentially. Like they're large. I think it's like their jumbo double flap or something. Seven grand before the pandemic. Now it's like 10 grand. Um, There's been a lot of complaints regarding Chanel quality of their bags. And then we had that christmas advent calendar fiasco um which i still love um of just and there's a sentiment of chanel maybe ripping people off their price is increasing faster than their quality they are getting ahead of themselves in terms of wanting to be like emma's but people maybe not wanting to spend that kind of money on Chanel but then also a lot of the criticisms I see from people of Chanel are people who don't have the money to buy from Chanel me included yeah yeah I think that's so true and I think realistically would it stop me buying a Chanel bag thinking I'm not exclusive to that club well I don't know what's in that club you know there's lots of exclusive things. And to be honest, it's an exclusive club anyway, I suppose. Because of that yeah. price point, we alienate ourselves and we indoctrinate ourselves to think, like, who am I thinking that I should ever aspire? Granted, when I was younger, it maybe was like an £1,000, £1,500 bag. But now it's looking like I'm going to have to pop a part with like five grand. Mm-hmm. for a bag and that will be probably maybe not even a leather bag or a very small one and let's be honest it's not going to be in the next few years so it's probably maybe then going to look like seven um that's insane like that's actually insane to even covet that so we're all re- it's already an exclusive club because I don't spend anything anything like that kind of money on Mm. anything else I'm not someone who's spending 500 pounds on a pair of shoes every other month that's not my kind of expenditure so to even that it is an exclusive club and I think maybe it's sort of a little reminder like the Hermes thing of like no this isn't for everyone because people everyday people aspire for Chanel And that's not a bad thing. And they benefit from it. Mm -hmm. But maybe it's them trying to kind of get back to this sort of, I don't know, elite, elite lifestyle. What I will be cross at Mm -hmm. as a fashion lover is if I watched a runway show and some of those items are then only for the exclusive boutique but you've shown them to us and then gone the whole, like that famous line from who wants to be a millionaire, but we don't want to give you that. And it just goes straight to the exclusive boutique. I think think it's got to be items that we, us regular folk will never get lay our eyes on. I think they already do that though. 
back in the day when Carl was still alive and we had like the Chanel shopping basket and yeah but again that's another like price on request kind of like crazy money item crazy money item that very few of them was ever made and they're not gonna Mm. they're not the sales associates are not gonna go out their way to source one for you who have never bought a Chanel item (laughs) before you know what I mean like it's ready I think they already uh hold items put side put items to the side for specific clientele yeah and so the boutique might just be an extension of that I think for those people who are Chanel lovers spend a bit of money in Chanel but they're probably more like let's say steady shoppers you know they have a couple of Chanel's and they go in there every so often and maybe like every other year they get something I can see how those kind of fairly loyal customers who aren't spending like ridiculous amounts of money but still loyal would think well you know the prices are already ridiculous anyway Mm. now I'm feeling like I'm in the the second tier store I'm in the rubbish store you know because there's a store that's better than this so like do they think I'm less than like Mm. me and spend it and drop in like five grand on this bag am I not good enough do you know what I mean they that's run such a good world. point because there's there's extreme wealth the kind of people who yeah they can drop crazy money and and that like it they don't even have to pre-plan their purchase but there's also a lot of mid middle wealth which is still really high wealth mm-hmm. where couple times a year they might spend a couple of grand on a bag maybe it's not every month maybe they kind of have to plan for the purchase a little bit more but that's still very disposable income that they buy into designer goods and every year for their birthday they're going to treat themselves to something maybe their partner buys them something for Christmas that is still a level of wealth that you kind of don't want to alienate well yeah you've kind of already maybe got five ten designer handbags and you want to add to that you kind of don't want to alienate those people because you're going to alienate us anyway and that's fine but there's kind of a step down from the mad wealthy that you probably don't want to piss off because their money is still valid Mm. and that in-store experience which is meant to be ever so important should still be an opportunity and like let's say what tomorrow I win the euro millions Mm -hmm. I doubt they do it on how much is in your bank account so I'm gonna have to earn my stripes anyway to get there so it's sort of like this old-fashioned elitist club which I guess, which was what Hermes was like. Hermes used to kind of have a shun list, right? There was a point where you, you, if you were on a certain list, you weren't allowed a Birkin. Like Kim Kardashian was banned from having a Birkin for a long time. Mm-hmm. They didn't want her seen with it. There are certain people they didn't want seen with their bags. Mm-hmm. So I guess it's their way of doing it. But... Yeah, I think... Also, what's important to remember is there are obviously incredibly wealthy people who will they'll they'll probably go into store and speak to their essay and say, "How much money do I need to spend in order to get into that 
next level and they will just spend the money for spending the money's sake in order for them to enjoy that higher level of exclusivity at Chanel as a status symbol of course but when we look at Chanel's recent success post-COVID you know record profit highs increased revenue like they're doing really well at the moment they're doing really well yeah everyone's you know we can slag off Chanel but we all still like their stuff you know everyone still sees it as an aspirational brand I wonder all those people who saved their pennies when we were in lockdowns Mm. we all you know all of us we kind of managed to squirrel away more money because we weren't going to you know we weren't going anywhere we weren't spending our money on holidays and such and then the end of lockdown came about and there were lots of people who bought into substantial luxury pieces because they now had the money to do so I wonder how many of them will continue to be repeat customers Mm. because we can't take this um now I'm not their finance their chief financial officer so I could be chatting shit you're not I'm not oh (laughs) who would have thought um we can't take their recent success as an indication of what's going to happen in in years to come supposedly and I believe so we're going into a recession yeah and all those people who are like us who you know Chanel is an aspirational brand and if we had a spare few grand we would buy something from there it's looking like we won't be able to in the next few years the cost of butter's too high (laughs) It really is between Lurpak and a Birkin for me at this it, point. Yeah, it, really, it really is. No, but I think that's such a good point. And actually, it's the recent success is a sign of the times, right? Like you said, people had saved their money. Um, people hadn't been going out. It also just kind of, I think, a lot of people then came out of it. And maybe even if they hadn't been saving, had very much like a, a fuck it, I deserve it mentality and right now we're facing such an expensive living moment that maybe those people won't be repeat customers and yeah I I find it a really interesting time for them to do that they've very controversially I feel like for about five years like it was definitely pre-pandemic their price rises and hikes every year people were like again again Mm. they were like pretty extreme they sort of superseded itself every year to like be even more of a hike and it's gone pretty crazy that they've obviously got a strategy and they're obviously trying to align themselves in something um and like it's gutting for me, like it in that sense. But you know, maybe maybe I don't need it. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, maybe I don't need it, right? Um, but I also I think a problem with this kind of a thing mm-hmm. is that even though they will try and have these stores to probably be like no photographs or no whatever, 
you just know that at some point someone's going to be invited to one of these stores and lift the lid on it and we're all going to realize what we're missing out on so unless they can fully control that I feel like it could work because what we don't know can't hurt us I don't know the couture experience I can't afford it I can't get a bespoke gown and that's fine but I can walk into a Chanel store and I can see a bag that I can't yet afford and hope to afford it one day. But mm-hmm. maybe if we don't know what we're missing out on in these stores, we can't be so sad. I think there's a lot of YouTubers in that luxury space who. Yeah, that's what I mean. And uh, and the how to get a Birkin on your first try video. Unboxing a Chanel exclusive store bag. That will turn into, here's my my experience. You can't get one of these. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Um, Let me tell you how it was. Here's a sneaky video. How to get on the list. Exactly. I think those videos Chanel cannot control unless they have their employees watching YouTube all day trying to identify all these people who are uploading videos so they can blacklist them yeah too much it's too much work for them to to go about it that way um you mentioned about it in to some degree it being comparable to a couture experience Mm. couture you get it made to measure yeah you know you get to say i love this dress but this this uh ruching at the bottom doesn't suit me i'm too mm. short for it i'm too tall for it it's too frumpy on me can we make this more flattering for my body type there's a level of it's it's bespoke yeah and that's what couture is it's not off the hanger ready to wear <gasps> and that- what if i can get my bespoke chanel made my dream handbag well well, well, this is what I'm thinking. I doubt, sh- and if they do this, I'll be really impressed because Birkin does this. You can order, you can order your. Um, you could dictate what, like a color, hardware yeah, color. You can do that. You can do made to order Birkins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really? Um, yeah, and it's the same price as a regular. From what I've seen on YouTube, it's the same price as a regular Birkin. But if you've spent enough with them, then yeah, you can just order the colorway <gasps> you want. But I think you can only do it like, I think you've got like a maximum, like maybe like, you know how you have the quota, you can do like mm. two a year or something. It counts towards as your quota. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, if Chanel could do something like that, game-changing fully behind it oh I shit but I doubt that's what's gonna happen no it's yeah same mind. that's from what I also understand that's not their factory setup either okay yeah like they for sure manufacture higher numbers than Hermes do yes do you know what I mean it's so like Hermes's factories are set up to do I mean, it's not going to be maybe so low as 100 bags, but I wouldn't be surprised if there's only 100 versions of a lot of Birkin bags, you know? 100 is still quite a lot. Think of how many wealthy countries are around the world. Not that many. 
um and per run or per color like i wouldn't mind betting that their num their limited runs can be in the hundreds whereas i still think for chanel their limited runs would probably be more in like the thousands yeah definitely definitely um that point actually reminded me of something um employees chanel employees themselves hearkening back to my retail days i can just imagine you working at a chanel boutique Mm. and your colleague being selected as the chosen one to work at these exclusive the premier chanel boutique (laughs) i would be raging i'd be like why was i not chosen to work at these exclusive boutiques like is it based on sales performance Mm. based on tenure at the company based on Um, the black book client book exactly like what what would it take for employees to be able to work at these boutiques because you know it's going to be easy money for you your commission very easy money when there's when you're dealing with people who just have money to like throw down the drain Mm-hmm. yeah yeah so um i think it's gonna be nasty <laughs> i just kind of wonder though if if they'll sort of be hidden away i just don't think you can sort of plaster a chanel logo on a store I try and walk in and they go, no, madam, this is by invite only. Mm -hmm. So there's going to have to be a careful strategy in place for that too, because that's when you will start alienating people. If I try and walk into what arguably looks like a regular Chanel store and someone goes, madam, are you a gold customer? Mm -hmm. And I say, no. And they go, well, bye. Like, there's there's got to be a careful way is it going to be like some secret hidden thing where you like knock twice you know it I'll be really interested to see how it gets done because I also think that will be a huge contributor to the success of it yeah definitely if I were them and again giving Chanel pointers that they never asked you're welcome yep um if i were them i would buy or rent a building it'd Mm. be white on the outside black frame windows black door you know yeah yeah no logos no yeah same i would do no logos nice building yeah and my you know employees the essays would um just email the clients their big spenders say listen we're having a little shindig here's the address it's like it's like the beginning of rave culture where it was like somewhere on the m20 it's like this singles <laughs> app thursdays yeah you're part of the chanel app and they go be here at a certain time somewhere on the m25 at eight <laughs> <o'clock>. um <laughs> meet us at this address come with your wallet leave your husband and it's gonna be a good time and that's how I would do it because yeah. then, because then, as you said, you don't you don't have to turn down anyone at the door, um, mm. and it's. I think that if they do it correctly, 
there's going to be very few clients who are going to want to plaster it on their socials, expose the whole thing. There's going to be an incentive for you to keep that as your secret. Mm. You know, some fun things are more fun when you keep them to yourself. Yeah. Um, So I'm really interested. Maybe, you know, after we um, rework the Chanel advent calendar, in 2025 we should get started on this year's one. <laughs> oh my god yes you know Christmas they'll have already decided it and they'll have already chosen the stickers by this point i know but for our christmas episode genuinely i think that we should each five of us think of five things that we would have in this advent calendar Love and it. compile our own okay that's only 10 but i think they were really sneaky and they did like odd days didn't they yeah. or even days. i think they, they only had like 12 days. windows well, there you go yeah. six each. we'll take six each okay um and you know once chanel catches wind of our advent calendar ideas they will say you know what girls you know what it's gonna be advent calendar season before we know it didn't they get released in like october last time or september they keep getting earlier and earlier. It was somewhere between... One, I'm sure, was at the end of September last year. There were beauty calendars. The beauty calendars yeah. always first. And then sometime between Christmas and beauty calendar season, it was luxury calendars. Yeah. So oh, I suppose maybe... Time to be alive. Yeah. Okay, I'll get my thinking hat on, Chanel. You're welcome. <laughs> They better Uh, have a beauty advent calendar for their exclusive stores. I'm sorry, if I'm dropping enough money to be invited to your exclusive store and you don't give me a sticker in my advent calendar, I'm not coming back. I'll take my business to Hermes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, I agree. agree. I concur. Yeah, anything else in regards to Chanel? I just want to know how I get invited, but I know that I won't ever be. Hold on, we've spoken about this, positive. I know, but that's one thing, and I actually don't want to be invited if that means spending an awful lot of money in Chanel. Yeah. No, I want to be invited, but I don't want to spend the money. Yeah, I I guess my positive vibe I'm going to put out is I'll marry a prince, maybe oh. Russian, I don't know so much right now. Um, um. I'll marry a prince and um, I'll get an exclusive invite. Mm. There you go. It's a strategy. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) What is what is our should we maybe ask for the poll Mm -hmm. if people find it like is it rude to have an exclusive club? Is it alienating? Yes. Does it put you off Chanel? Does it make you want to buy more with them or less with them? yeah like because it's hard to get do you want it more or do you want it less the time will tell
thanks again for tuning in to another episode of style over substance guys don't forget to check out our instagram or spotify to respond to this week's poll Bye. bye Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.